Today's sponsor is Stamps.com. Avoid trips to the post office. Use Stamps.com to buy and print official U.S. postage right from your computer. Go to Stamps.com today to sign up for a special offer. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in decode. Today is also sponsored by Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me best as Marco Rubio's financial advisor, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about Silicon Valley's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. Today in the red chair are Brent Bushnell and Eric Gradman, CEO and CTO of the exciting 2-Bit Circus. It's a company dedicated to creating a new world of social amusement, and we're going to define what that means in just a second. Welcome to the show. So excited to be here. Good. So you're in town to do, explain what 2-Bit Circus is. Why don't you start? So we're literally a high-tech circus. Right. Think Cirque du Soleil meets modern technology. All right. And uh, we are building big games. We're getting people to play together. We've, for years, have done huge events for Amazon and Intel and the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You uh, did one on our stage once? We did. We, well, we, after years of doing other people's events, we said, hey, we should do our own event. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had all these parents and teachers saying, hey, our kids love what you guys are doing. They think it's super cool. Uh, and we sort of made us realize there was an opportunity to like reframe what it means to be a nerd. So right. we launched our own event to mm-hmm. uh, basically convey to kids, hey, engineering's the new rock and roll. Uh, and we called it STEAM Carnival for okay. science, technology, Right. And STEAM Carnival, it's sort of a retro thing that you're doing. So what, STEAM stands for what? Explain that. Science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Okay. But it's also a retro concept. Uh, not so retro. No. Right. I mean, they, you know the term STEM? Yes. So this no, is I STEM. get that, oh, but STEAM feels like old timey. Oh yeah. wow! Uh, yeah, oh, we, we we constantly battled we, we constantly battled the steampunk association. Yes. Yeah, exactly. This isn't steampunk at all. This is right. about the future, not about the past. All right. So let's talk about what you're trying to achieve here. So it's 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 everyone is everything is STEM, and you've added art into it. Yeah, STEM is boring and terrible. Okay. We want something that's exciting and fun. Okay. So you're trying to make engineering the science. all the math science and math fun, sexy, and so fun. sexy and fun, and you're doing it through a circus paradigm. Yeah. And, and, and really we have two goals here. One is inspire inventors, right? Mm-hmm. Let's get kids excited about being able to create, being able to use tools, being able to program. Uh, and also let's get people playing together again. You know, technology isolates us. The mm-hmm. fact that I can play a social game alone on my iPhone is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we want people playing together eye to eye, having a blast mm-hmm. in the same room. Uh, and, you know, get people back out again. So talk a little bit about the concept of what you're trying to do. So you're the CTO. What does that mean? What does that exactly mean? I have Eric? such a fun job every single day. Right. I get to build the crazy games that we bring out and show people a good time. Mm-hmm. So I want to set the stage for you at the Steam Carnival because okay. the Steam Carnival is full of games that right. me and my team have created. All right. You're going to walk into this event and you're going to see an entire carnival midway. And every single game, you think you know what's going on. Right. But what we've done is we've thrown away what you know about the carnival, and we've replaced it with next-generation entertainment. So we're taking sensors that have gotten incredibly cheap because of the proliferation of smartphone technology. Mm-hmm. We're taking Arduinos, Raspberry Pis, Intel Edisons, really available technologies that kids can use to make their own projects. We're using those technologies, and we're building crazy games with them. That's my job every day is taking these technologies, figuring out how can we make this fun? How can we uh, play with social dynamics, play with technology, 
and show people a, a good time that they can't get in their own home. And are you trying to teach them a lesson? I mean, it's sometimes they call it edgemutainment. edgemutainment. <laughs> oh, so that's a mouthful. I know. Well, so, you know, the event is basically one Everything half. in Silicon Valley is edgemutainment. When you go to a party, you have to learn something. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. It's like you walk into a party and you just want like a friggin' drink. And they're yeah. like, now we'll have a lecture from. And mm. I'm like, oh. Have a vodka edgemutainment. Yes. again. Well, so we really think education is a bad word. Right? Okay. You know, right. this, is, this is about inspiration, learning, excitement. Okay. And so the event is one half all the high tech games that Eric was talking about. And mm -hmm. then the other half is a bunch of hands-on projects where folks can learn about programming and electronics and fabrication in a really fun environment. We like to pull back the curtain All on right. the games and show people how it is that we made what we made. Because right. we, f we find that, that kids really latch onto that. They have a good time first, mm -hmm. and they're therefore inspired to understand how it was made. All right. Give me an example. Something that you think is a certain way and then isn't. Give or that example. they learned something. Okay. You may be familiar with the dunk tank. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. you take I've been a ball. Dunked. You've been dunked. Good. Have you ever been dunked? And electrocuted? No, but go ahead. <laughs> How about fire? All right. No, no, not yet. We've brought to Pier 48 our dunk tank flambe. And in the dunk tank flambe, we've replaced the vat of water with a chamber filled with fire at 3000 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, nice. You well walk done. into this thing wearing a big bulky fireproof suit, specially designed glass uh, faceplate on the helmet, you look like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It does not sound like thing. fun. It's amazingly <laughs> fun. Right. You're surrounded by flames on all sides. And we give a kid a ball and we say, hey, kid, throw this at the target. And if the kid hits the target, propane cannons erupt and this entire chamber is filled with flame. All right. And the occupant leaves unharmed but with a memory that lasts a lifetime. Right, so they have to cause their own doom? That is the goal? No, 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 no. Usually their child or their parent causes their doom. Oh, okay, yeah. I see. Okay, good. So somebody has to hit the thing for the person in the suit. So what are you trying to teach them about? Fire or what's the, the concept? Well, hey, let me tell you. There's some spectacle for spectacle. Right, absolutely. Now, I uh, mean, fire could, at children is always We could <laughs> Exactly. We could contrive a, a lesson about uh, a thermodynamics here, mm -hmm. but... What we want is for people to show up to this carnival and feel like they've come to an incredibly entertaining – we don't want this to be edumatainment, mm -hmm. right? We want this to be entertaining followed by inspiring. Right. And showing up and experiencing something like this, you know, it, it just opens your eyes to the possibilities. Right. Okay. So give me another example. Um, we have a, a game called Hoops. Mm -hmm. And this is – imagine like a volleyball net mm -hmm. uh, and you've got teams on both sides. So maybe five or ten people on either side. And, and these circles up in the air have special sensors on them so that and, the, and there's tons of balls on the ground and people are trying to throw the balls through those hoops. Uh, there's sensors so the ball so the, the, the software knows whether which direction the balls are going. Uh, and so everybody's racing for 60 seconds trying to put as many balls through the hoops as possible. Total mm -hmm. frenetic, you know, crazy right. and awesome. Um, and you know, and, and the tools needed to pull that off, a bunch of LEDs, a bunch mm -hmm. of proximity sensors, mm -hmm. uh, some simple software, and you're off and running. And so uh, this is you know another one gets people playing together. And then, you know, they, they, they move down the midway to where all the hands-on workshops are and get to play with some of that same Some of the tech. things. So you're using all the different things. So, um, so the concept is to, to, to once they see the games, then they can play with them. Do you think that games have become too uh, technological? You know, people just used to play ball and not censor ball. Well, so, the you know, entertainment's about novelty, right? Mm -hmm. Humans like... Mm -hmm. different new things, right? You know, The Martian is an amazing movie. Mm -hmm. Do I want to watch it a hundred times? No, I want to watch a different movie now, you know? And so the same is true with uh, 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 entertainment. And so I love the games that you're talking about, and I would also would like to play new games. Right. I'd like to extend that. Right. I'd like to say that, you know, ball is a lot of fun. Right. And technology has made 
uh, fun, more interesting. But at the same time, it's made it more isolating. Mm -hmm. So our problem is that as technology has entered into the fun landscape, Mm -hmm. you now wind up with people who only walk around holding their phones up to their faces playing games. We're trying to use tech in in ways that sort of liberate you more Mm -hmm. and connect you more with the people around you. An an entire premise for 2-Bit Circus is out-of-home entertainment hasn't changed much since laser tag and mini golf. Right. And, you know, you, you've got your friends, so it's all together on a Friday night. You know, you, you, you would much rather go and do something brand new. And so, the you know, part of our arc will be creating a whole suite of different types of interactive entertainment. Okay. And so th- so they come into this show, explain, they come in the show, and then they play games, and then find out how they work. And get to get hands-on with a bunch of workshops. I mean, it is a carnival format. You get mm-hmm. to walk around, uh, it's literally 120,000 square feet. So mm-hmm. for the visual, that is two football fields. Right. So it's filled with all that content. People stay an average of five or six hours. You can mm-hmm. play a bunch of games. There's food. There's workshops. There's stage shows. Uh, there's We have a special laboratory stage where game designers and uh, uh, NASA astronauts and whatnot are all sharing their passion for what it is that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then when they when they do that, they can they can do whatever they want. It's sort of like there's exploratorium here in San Francisco. Obviously, that was a lot of hands on right. stuff like that. Is love, it similar to that? I, so I love the exploratorium. I grew mm-hmm. up up here, and, mm-hmm. and the exploratorium is one of my favorite places on earth. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if if you've got the exploratorium as as, as very much science center, Maker Fair as very much sort of showcase of, of people's creations. Maker Fair, which is this. Creative, creative making things. Right. Uh, you know, th- think of us as sort of step zero. You know, there's there's no shortage of kids that are are not excited about science and engineering. Right. Mm-hmm. We want we really want to get them them over that gap. Mm-hmm. If you like engineering, there is a ton of awesome stuff to do. U.S. First Robotics and Maker Fair and all these things. We want to really convert those kids that are not already excited about right. engineering, and so that next year they're going to be at the Exploratorium and Maker Fair and U.S. First. Are right, we going to talk about that next after a word from our sponsor? Why kids? It's so hard to teach kids these areas, and why we're falling behind in that area. Great. If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the Internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries audiobooks in every genre imaginable, business, classics, history, self-development, just to name a few. I'm looking for something to listen to, and Brent just suggested The Martian, correct? Oh, man, it's a wonderful book. Yeah, yeah, I saw the movie, though. Should I, read, should I listen to the book now? Yeah, you know, there's, there's a bunch of scenes that weren't in the movie. All right, then. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have them spoken to me, though. <laughs> Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash decode and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. Go to audible.com slash decode. That's audible.com slash decode and get started today. I've literally been an Audible customer since yeah. uh, since the year they launched, and yeah, it is just so awesome. Back in the aughts. <laughs> back in the like aughts, in the really aughts right? I've gone through hundreds of books. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what's so hard about getting kids interested in it that aren't. Not the, There's kids that are always interested in it, and then there's kids that aren't. So there's a real fundamental problem, and it's a branding problem. Okay. You know, we do, as a, as a society, an awesome job of celebrating basketball players and DJs and, you know, uh, uh, rock stars. But... You know, the sciences and engineering is not necess- is not, you know, as overtly sexy and awesome mm-hmm. and fun and, and, and desirable. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is now, and, and, it, and it sort of got that way because it used to be that, that stuff was super hard. And so mm-hmm. it was only this one slice of humanity that could do it. 
Right. Now that tech is really easy and anybody can do it. And so we have to sort of re reframe it and get people thinking that, hey, this is actually really possible. You know, you look at the, you know, the sort of fundamental test in computer science, in, in introduction to computer science is how do you print the words hello world? Mm -hmm. In the 80s, it was crushing and cryptic and very hard. Right now, you can do it in your on your iPad in pictures. Your six-year-old could do it, and so and and all the rest of the tools, CAD and desktop manufacturing, all that stuff has gotten so much easier. We really just need to reframe for people and say, "Hey, this stuff is awesome. Engineering's the new rock and roll. It's really easy, and you mm -hmm. can do this too." So, how did you get into doing that when you were younger? Oh my goodness, my my background is in robotics, I, and I was building cardboard robots when I was three. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that actually counts as being a roboticist. Mm -hmm. I later actually got a degree in okay. that stuff, all right. but just building stuff. Stuff for the love of it is how I got into uh -huh. into. And how do you things. think about how? So you're trying to you're trying to excite kids with entertainment here, but trying to really you have a point here, presumably. Well, I mean, we've we've discovered that the best way to get kids learning how to make stuff and about how to learn the required skills that they're mm -hmm. going to need is to make stuff. Mm -hmm. Just start making stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you ask a kid, what do you want to make? Oftentimes their answer is, oh, I want to make a video game, or I want to make a game or I want to make music. So we like identifying kids' latent interests, right, and helping them develop those interests and in the process learn how to use the tools and technologies that are, that are so freely available and are just going to drive their future. You've, you've really got to start somewhere they like. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can't just force it. You've got, to, you've got to start somewhere they like, and then you can lever that, that interest into, in, into the sort of goal that we all have, which is getting kids ex you know, excited about actually studying science. And Absolutely. So you have a background in this. Your father was the creator of the video game, essentially, correct? He was an early early. Yes, early Nolan involved. Bushnell. Yeah. We've heard of him. <laughs> did, did that inspire you to, to be in this area? You know, in a, in sort of a so you uh, got early video. Games. So you know, my dad's a nerd, right? He's yeah, an engineer he and an entrepreneur, and uh, you know, gr we were raised with video games and going to the amusement park conventions and all that. Mm -hmm. But you know, when you've, you've got a f famous father, you sort of want to strike out on your own as fast as possible, mm -hmm. which is you know. Mm -hmm. So I went and, and and worked in a lot of different industries, from fiber optics to DNA synthesis, and it really wasn't until I met Eric and we started collaborating, and and we were just at first making interactive art and having fun, and the art sort of quickly turned into games, and as people you know, resonated with it and liked it. I was sort of like, wow, how was I not doing this all along? Like, mm -hmm. this is what I have Resisting grown up dad. with. I know this for, you know, yeah. known this forever. And it was, it, but, but it sort of took getting validation at, at, on my own stuff uh, before. Uh, what was the legacy you think he had, you know, he, he and others, but he, him particularly with Atari, what do you think the legacy, because he really did start that off, the idea. Well, they, you know, they, they were, there were, games existed. What was the first right? one? Well, so, uh, so Pong was their Pong. first big successful Pong. game, right? Yeah. yeah. And that was, and it was in bars and restaurants, right? Yeah. It was a very social game. It was so inane when you look back at it. Well, but you know what? It's it actually wasn't. still a good game. Yeah. And, and the, what happened was, as, a, as you tech, go faster, yeah, you're right. They go fa well, and it's still the game mechanics are good. You yeah. find most of the best games. You get a couple of great game mechanics, and yeah. it's great no matter what the graphics yeah. are. Yeah. You know, as, as tech got more complicated, you know, got more sophisticated, and people started adding more and more graphics, mm -hmm. the games got really complicated. And you know, you know what? A lot of people opted out. You know, you think about how many buttons are on an Xbox controller. Yeah, I can't play. It's not for me. It's yeah. not for you. You know, yeah. but but everybody's a gamer. It just depends on what kind of game. I really enjoy spending time with Nolan. He mm -hmm. takes a look at the games that I develop. Mm -hmm. He says, can you make that simpler? Mm -hmm. And I do. And he says, no, you maybe, some, maybe simpler again. Yeah. Right. Right. And we just play this game over and over and over again until all the bad stuff, all the boring, useless, counterintuitive stuff is stripped out of what the game. What were you trying to do that he wanted to take out? 
Oh, oh just making it just overcomplicated. Extra and, rules. Yeah, you extra know. rules that don't yeah. make any sense. There's, and there's actually a, 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 a Bushnell's law, which is it, the game should be easy to learn and impossible to master. Ah, interesting. I consider it more of a guideline. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, I mean, here's an example. You, you, you look at the instruction manual for Pong, mm-hmm. and it's literally three lines: deposit quarter, ball will turn automatically. Avoid missing ball for high score. Right. That's the, you know, right. you look at the manual for Mortal Kombat, it's yeah. like 25 pages. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we, we made a game recently called Face Face Revolution where you're, you're, you're using your face as a mm-hmm. controller, making funny faces. This is the whole game, right? right? All you have to do is make funny faces and you win. And the instructions, it's hard to develop instructions that are, that are right. both make simple a, and I think make a funny face and you win is good. Make a funny face <laughs> and you win. I chose to write a poem instead. It's a whole rhyming poem mm-hmm. that you, you get access to more of the poem as you play. Uh, we're always trying to come up with creative ways of introducing people to how to play the games. Mm-hmm. You want people to have an intuition for how to play the game. You don't mm-hmm. want them to have to rely on on rules. Right. Is that what you do? When, give me another example well, of a game so, at the circus. To, to sort of run, run with that, right? You know, if you think about Super Mario Brothers. You, you, you know, there's no test in Super Mario Brothers. You either know how to get past level one or you don't. You know, right. and only by the time, you, you know, and once you can jump on Koopas and jump over holes, mm-hmm. you've got the skills you need to get to the next level, right? right? But right. it sort of reveals the complexity to you at sure. just the right time. Sure. We have a great game at the carnival. It's called uh, Off Your Rocker Racing. Okay. And it's made out of physical rocking horses that we constructed in our shop. Okay. So each rocking horse is a different color and you put a kid on each rocking horse and you tell them to rock back and forth. Mm-hmm. And on screen, in front of them, on a huge monitor, they see uh, an avatar, a representation of their horse. And they are racing to the finish line. Mm-hmm. Very, very simple. They know what to do. There's an intuition about it. Now, there's some, there's some peculiarities, right? If you, uh, if you hit the side of the horse uh, on the boost button, it lets out an expulsion of hot gas, we'll okay. say, and, and propels you down the, the field. But they get that, too. They figure it out. Right. And it's, it's a fun game. It holds people's attention for a long period of time. And it's simple. We love simple. Right. So rocking, they essentially yeah. rock. But the screen is critically important. Can, can you make games anymore that don't have screens? Oh, Absolutely. Yes. In fact, we yeah. really, that, that, so, some of our favorite games are games that don't involve screens. And, and it's, it's kind of a good filter for us. We have a, a game using Intel's Edison uh, that is uh, called Kings. And it's mm-hmm. a bunch of, of sort of baton-like controllers. And there's no screen at all. It's all audio. And you do what? Uh, it's, a, it's like a live action chess, 10 on 10. Uh, and what you're trying to do is not move your controller very much uh, while getting everybody else to move their controller. And if your team finally gets the king to move their controller, your team wins. I see. Interesting. You do need feedback. Yes. You need audio feedback. You need right. Visual feedback. But it doesn't have to be on but a screen. when you get kids in there now today when they're so inundated with screens. They, they literally they love it. Love it. They, they do love it because they, you know, they're reminded that they are corporeal. Well, why would they be reminded? Because they never had that feeling. My kids were born into a digital era. Yeah, they've been on tablets and screens their whole lives. Right. You know, so now this is like being. Oh, I see. Not reminded. Yeah, yeah they are introduced for the right. first yes, time exactly. to what it's like. I don't know. Yeah. I, I've I've watched thousands of kids today go through the hoops mm-hmm. game that we built. Mm-hmm. We let them into the. We'll call it a paddock because right. we have to keep <laughs> the balls and the kids in. And they pick up the balls. They see the hoops and they start throwing. That's what they're supposed to do. They do it, and they love it. You should see the looks on their faces. This is a look you don't see on the face of a kid with an iPhone pressed up to his nose. Right, right. It's a different look. Yeah. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk more about this issue because I think it's an interesting one of how we teach kids and how we have fun. But first, a word from our sponsor. With the holidays almost here, you probably have even less time than usual to go to the post office. Traffic is crazy, parking is limited, and the post office will be packed with your entire city trying to mail gifts and packages at once. Well, the good news is that anything you can do at the post office, you can do right from your desk with Stamps.com. 
Buy and print official U.S. postage for any package or letter using your own computer and printer the instant you need it. Right now, sign up for Stamps.com and use the promo code DECODE for this special offer. A four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer including postage at a digital scale. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in DECODE. It's that simple. Go to Stamps.com and use the promo code DECODE to get started today. We're talking to Brent and Eric of, what is it, Steam Carnival or Two-Bit Circus? Two-Bit Circus. Two-Bit Circus, which is, how do you describe it? What is the... So Two-Bit Circus is literally a high-tech circus. High-tech circus. Yeah, and we mm-hmm. are reimagining entertainment using modern technology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so how, do you, how do you look at what's been the most interesting circuses in entertainment now? Well, you know, I mean, Cirque du Soleil did an amazing job of yeah. reimagining the circus. I'm not a big Cirque du Soleil fan. Well, so I... I don't Cirque like du Soleil, twisty people. <laughs> well, they, so they removed the animals and they replaced right. them with twisty people. Yeah, I don't like And, and you could think of us sort of having removed the twisty piece of people and replace it with technology. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So what are the most important technologies in this? We were talking about this idea of too much technology in people's faces. I, I believe that the technology should be hidden whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't necessarily want to throw the technology in your face. I want to use technology to enable magical experiences. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about highlighting the technologies themselves. Now, what technologies have contributed to uh, you know, magical experiences these days? Well, the technology in that cell phone right there is full of magic. Mm-hmm. Sensors like you wouldn't believe, accelerometers, gyrometers, magnetometers, processors that have gotten so small, you can put them in your pocket. So much computation can fit in the palm of your hand, mm-hmm. right? Now, that cell phone also has a screen. We're not using the screen so much. We're using all the other incredible components that are in there. And, and more besides, cloud computing enables us to create experiences like WikiFight, where you have a whole bunch of people racing through Wikipedia online as fast as they possibly can. Whoa, we that have, doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> it's, well, it, can be, it can be pretty fun. We, okay. have, uh, we have a stage racing show. Racing through to what? To, do what? Uh, to, a, des- to, to a destination page. I want to okay. get back to okay. WikiFight. Okay. Wiki but um, we, we have a whole stage show that we run, mm-hmm. a stage show where we're enabling the crowd to be part of the show. So imagine an entire conference center full of people sitting there with paddles, and the paddles have colors. We're pointing cameras at them, and they're moving their paddles back and forth, and we know what color they have. They're so making- we can invite you, Kara, on stage to do now trivia, one versus 1,000, mm-hmm. or allow, you know, uh, the, because there's distributed microphones throughout the whole environment, we're going to have one half of the audience control one paddle on, in a game of Pong, and one half of the audience control another. I paddle. see. Well, and they have to work together. Yeah. Having been on stage many times, you're probably aware that the most annoying thing that anybody can bring to an event like that is a laser pointer. Uh-huh, yes. We give everyone laser pointers. Oh, and they point them each other's and eyes. They and they point them at the stage. Blind. They That's point great. them at us. We, put, we walk on stage with sunglasses, uh-huh. but we also point cameras at the walls, and so we know what they're doing with the laser, laser pointers. Uh-huh. And so we're enabling the entire crowd to bring the room to life and bring the presentation to life. Yeah. And let's talk about this idea of wonder, because people don't have it that much. I mean, it's, it, I know you say magical cell phone, and it's true, anything's in it, and you know, I talk to my kids all the time because they've got their noses in it. And, you know, they're always like, one more minute, one mm-hmm. more minute, because I'm just looking at one thing and I'm like, there, it never ends on this device. Well, you think about how ridiculous a, a, an approach we take to learning right now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you, you're, you're focused in what you're in one class for math and then you're in one class for history and mm-hmm. you have no relevance or reason for why it is that you're learning this. I think back to my favorite class in high school and it was my physics class. And he basically challenged us to solve a safety problem. And over the course of the entire semester, we you know, came up with an idea, came up with a problem we wanted to solve, came up with a solution for it, built a prototype, did a patent search, built marketing materials, you know, all of the full thing, a whole real project. You know what it was? 
just like the real world. Mm -hmm. You know, why we sort of have this whole alternate approach to teaching kids that is not like the real world is just doesn't Well, you have to learn some things. But, but wouldn't it be wonderful to learn those things in context mm-hmm. so that you wanted to learn them? Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be so much more powerful because now you're, you are a, 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 you know, an, an empowered learner and, 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 and want to get to the end. So when you get the kids in there, what is the most surprising thing you find that they don't know how to do? Don't know or they do know how well, to do it. Well, I mean, you know, as uh, America, we do a terrible job of getting kids excited about science and engineering, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The PISA study came out, and, you know, this is where they put all the countries against each other. You know what America landed? Like, 47th. Yeah. Right. You know, and there's not that many countries, you know, behind I mean, 196. We're always behind Belize. Behind Belize. Kind of where we were behind a lot of countries, yeah. you know, and that is ridiculous. You know, I mean, we have, all, you know, we're, we're sitting here in the middle of Silicon Valley where it would just be. We invented all, it. Yeah. And, and yet we can't teach our kids to do Why it. Why do you think that is? Because we have an outmoded approach to it. You know, the, the school system was designed, you know, for an industrial era with old tools. And, you know, technology has, has over-promised and under-delivered for education for a long time. But mm-hmm. we now have this sort of perfect storm where the tech is finally easy enough. It's priced right. The teachers, you know, the tools that the teachers can use to create the content are easy enough. We sort of, we finally have sort of all the tools we need. And frankly, a willingness to question the, the standard approach of I go from math class to science class to history class. Mm-hmm. And why do you think that is? Why do you, when you're trying to teach Teach STEAM stands for these things. Why do you think it's so hard? No, well, it's, a, I, it's a crisis in our country. There's all these jobs available, that, and yeah. we aren't, especially girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think I think I want to sort of gel off of your answer a little bit. The problem is, is that we've artificially uh, disentangled these disciplines, where in fact they all belong together. The, 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 the modern the modern day requires everyone to have skills in many different uh, disciplines and mm-hmm. to blend them together to accomplish you know, tasks that we didn't have to do in the past. Yeah. Operating a computer is a little bit of math, a little bit of science, a little bit of, uh, you know, user experience design, a little bit of physics. And you've got to sort of have an intuition for how these things all fit together nowadays. Operate. You think about what we, you know, need to prepare the kids today for. It's a world, frankly, where we don't, they don't actually, the jobs that they're going to be doing don't even exist yet. You mm-hmm. know, so how can we create a, a curriculum around the jobs that they're going to, that we don't know that they're going to perform, right? Mm-hmm. We actually really need a curious, empowered learner who is, you know, able to grok new information and, and you know, and, 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 and tackle it uh, rather than just a bunch of rote memorization. And why do you imagine it's so much harder for girls? How are do you get as many so girls it's coming inter- to Steam Carnival? There's sort of a bunch. There's uh, this is an entire podcast uh, yeah. uh, uh, just yes, on we've this done topic. It many times. Uh, but the but really what happens is a lot of girls opt out in middle school, and what mm-hmm. happens is boys bully them. And the, you know, girls are equally curious, and in fact, better at math than 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 boys are at that age. And then, for some reason, they they decide, you know, boys will give them a hard time. This is maybe not for you, and then they just opt out. It's not cool. It's not fun. It's not worth it. And so they stop. And so right about eighth grade is a real falling off point. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's terrible, frankly, because you know, people talk about diversity, and the reason that diversity is important is every single thing that's built. Right? Every policy that is created, every new piece of software that's written should be built by the people who will be using it. And it's not 
a bunch of white males that are going to be using it, right? It's going to be mm -hmm. women. It's going to be people with autism. It's going to be you know people with lots of different conditions. And so diversity is about having all of those you know sort of perspectives represented at the time this thing is created. So Eric, what do you do to try to do that with girls in this? Is there equal numbers of young girls? Oh, I think the, the it's very gender balanced at the Seam Carnival mm -hmm. in the programs that we develop. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at any of the, the workshops that we've put on, the kits that we've developed, uh, they they target they target boys and girls equally well. Mm -hmm. We've actually gone out of our way to to reach out to girls. We've done programs with the Girl Scouts and, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, you know crafted material to make sure. That Is there anything excited. different between them? Because there's so much discussion about why women don't excel, have not the, why the diversity issue is so profound in gender and also racially, but gender is Yeah, well. I mean, I think it's a really, I mean, it's definitely a complex issue, you know, because I think that there's, there's, there's the cultural component, there's the peers giving them a hard time, there's, you know, culturally we, you know, expect there to be certain roles, even whether that's true or not, you know, some of that stuff sort of baked into our media, and so mm -hmm. we, there's sort of a lot that we need to overcome in order to, to do this. Not that it's not possible, but, you know, we definitely need to uh, be, you know, think about it. And, you know, any mom who says, oh, I'm not good at math, Right? You wouldn't say, oh, I'm not good at English, mm -hmm. right? You should, no, nobody should say, oh, I'm not good at math, right? That's a, that, that just sort of it allows for that to be an okay thing. Interesting. All right. Where is Steam Carnival going? Finishing up? So to we're taking it on, the, on, on tour 2016. Is it the first place or where So we York? did a prototype in Los Angeles Los last Angeles, year. That's right. This, uh, but but we, we wanted the big launch to be in San Francisco. Right. And so that's today. We, we opened the doors today and, and uh, we're taking it on the, on, on the road. We'll do four cities next year. Okay. Uh, we start in Seattle on uh, April Fool's. Okay. And then? <laughs> uh, and then we'll go to uh, Dallas, Chicago, um, and Charlotte. Okay. And you're going to try to take this thing bigger, presumably. Yeah, this is uh, this is just the beginning, and we have and 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 think of the the events as the tip of the spear. Right. There'll be an entire ecosystem around right. this of home solutions, uh, YouTube channel, uh, and another thing we're very excited to announce with you later. Oh, all right, okay, I can't wait. Let me think of one game you want to make you haven't made, Eric. One game CTO. I want. You know, that's a great question. I like making big games that use big inputs. Mm -hmm. I want to use cranes. I've never gotten to use cranes. Oh. Wouldn't it be cool if... So you're not just satisfied lighting children on fire. You no, 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 no. We have cranes That's them. just getting started. All right, okay. <laughs> they don't burn long enough. <laughs> I don't know I why that's funny, but it is. <laughs> I, want, I, I, want, I want big earth movers. I want to play chess with... Uh, wrecking balls. Wrecking balls. Sounds very Harry Potter. Doesn't remember it, the, though? Remember that chess game you played? Oh, that's right. That's Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well... You know, I haven't gotten the opportunity to do that yet. Okay. I'm still so, looking for the right venue. For cranes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. something with a lot of dirt. A lot of dirt. Okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, you guys. Brent, Eric, thanks for coming on Recode Decode. Thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes to catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews with Jeff Weiner, Jonah Peretti, and Stuart Butterfield, to name a few all on recode.net slash decode. Also be sure to check out our other show, Recode Replay. We have scores more red chair interviews from all our events, including interviews with executives from companies like Google, Apple, Facebook, and Snapchat, and even an interview with both current President Barack Obama and presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton. All this and more at recode.net slash replay. Up next is my favorite tech reviewer, without the goatee, of course, Lauren Good of The Verge, here to explain what some of our listeners were not too embarrassed to ask. But first, a quick message from one of our sponsors. 
Today's Too Embarrassed to Ask is brought to you by Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Hello, Lauren. Is that a jawbone you're wearing? That is, no, yes, it's a jawbone I'm wearing. Now, listen, I need to introduce you. Hey, Lauren, we're here with Too Embarrassed to Ask. What are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about Blackberry. Blackberry. That was my, yeah. used to be my favorite, favorite thing to use. Yeah, what, and for it's a back? lot of people. Is it Black? Well, is it back? Backberry. Is it Backberry? Is it back? Oh, that was so bad. I know, I know. That's like a joke. I, know. I, I got a million make. of them. I got a million of them. Well, they're back with a new phone. Right. Whether or not the company is truly back is a whole other topic. Okay. But there is a All new right. phone that was just uh, released last week. It's mm-hmm. called the new Blackberry Priv. Okay. Priv? Priv. Priv. Yes. It as Casey like Newton from The Verge said, it sounds like perv. Perv. It but does. It is, it is Casey and I have our minds priv. in the gutter at all times. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 is, it, is it priv? Is it priv? Is it, in any case, it's the priv. Okay. It stands for privacy. Okay. Uh, I got that. I think it also stands for privilege. Okay. Because this right. is a very high-end All right. How much phone. does it cost? Well, off contract, it's expensive. It costs $699. Right. If you get it through some of the wireless carriers that have already said they're supporting it, um, AT&T has announced it, and I think Verizon has as well. You can get it, you know, like the normal subsidized sure. cost to your contract for $249, I believe. Sure. But this is meant to be a high-end phone. And in a total change for BlackBerry, mm-hmm. it is BlackBerry's first Android phone. Android phone, exactly. It's an Android phone. Right. So, so we'll, you've got the typical BlackBerry keyboard. It's a slide-out keyboard, right, which they've which had is in cool. previous models. It. But it's it's running on Android, the Android OS. And, and have, why um, did they do this? What was the impetus for doing this? Well, you know, BlackBerry had rolled out BlackBerry 10, its own operating system, a while ago mm-hmm. when it introduced a phone called the Passport. It mm-hmm. came out in 2013. It was a BlackBerry. It was square. I don't know if you remember that one. Yes, but I it do. Was, it wasn't like a long, Vaguely. it wasn't a rectangle. It was a square. Um, and, and with it was a BlackBerry operating system. But they basically found that it was really hard to get the support from the developer community. Mm-hmm. There, in short, there weren't apps. Mm-hmm. People kept saying, well, where's this? Where's my Snapchat? Uber, where's my Instagram? Snapchat, where's my right. Uber? Where's, where all the things that I want in addition to all of these enterprise applications that I may, I may or may not be running on this thing? And so uh, BlackBerry basically caved and they said, fine, we'll go with Android. And they did. And they did. Is this the, for all the phones from now on, or just are they still using BlackBerry 10? That is an excellent question. I actually spoke with BlackBerry COO Marty Beard last week and asked him that same question, what happens to BlackBerry 10? And he said that they're still developing BlackBerry 10, that it's still in the works, and that there may be future phones that are running BlackBerry 10. It's not something they've totally given up on. But, I mean, who, if who really making knows? apps for them, what's the point? You know, it's a really good question. Yeah. So tell me about this phone. So it's an Android phone. It has it's the an Android pull-down the pull-down thing. Has the, the pull-down pull, pull keyboard. Right. BlackBerry really is emphasizing privacy with this thing. They have a layer of technology they're calling BlackBerry D-Tech. That's mm-hmm. D-T-E-K. Right. And they're saying that they want to give you more information about the apps that you're installing on your phone. Right. So it's not necessarily about, okay, how can we prevent malware because you know, sometimes Especially in Android, Android devices, has right. issues with right. malware, right? It's not about that. It's more about, let's say you do install an app and that app, for whatever reason, starts seeking your location in the background or starts asking for access to things like your camera or your, um, your uh, microphone on the phone and things like that. Uh, BlackBerry is saying, we're going to let users know in, a, in sort of a more overt way than other operating systems do, other phones do, that this is this mm-hmm. is happening. And right. So at least to make consumers or users of the device aware of what's going on when they've installed apps. That on is their one phone. of my nervousness around Android is is the uh, this malware and things. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a genuine concern. And why it's, I it's, use an Apple phone. On the one hand, you're you're ad- adopting this new uh, mobile operating system because it has this amazing you know ecosystem of developers that are willing to make apps for it. Mm-hmm. On the downside, when you are getting into hundreds of thousands or billions of apps, there are some bad eggs there. Right. And they're going to get through. Right. Okay. So what do you think of it? What do you think of the phone? I've only played with it briefly, but yeah. uh, but my colleague at The Verge, Dieter Bonn, has used it and reviewed it. And he said that, um, you know, it's it's a nice phone. It's got a nice 18-megapixel camera, though it mm-hmm. takes a long time to focus. It, it is a premium device. Um, the screen is nice. Does ha- even having a, tact- you know, a tactile keyboard again is nice. He said it's buggy, though. Mm-hmm. He experienced some bugs with it. Right. So it was kind of a mixed review. Mixed review. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So would would you move back to BlackBerry? I had BlackBerry most of my career. I had a BlackBerry device. Did you? Yes. As you know, the famous story, I had a BlackBerry in my hand when I had my baby. But did, was that, is that true, though? Did yes, you actually have it yes, in your hand? Yes. It had to be wrapped up when I went into surgery, yes. As you were delivering? Yes. This I, is so crazy. And so who were you texting? Who Walt Mossberg. And what were you saying? I'm having a baby. <laughs> like in real time? Yes. Would you have periscoped it if periscope was around Absolutely then? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, but I was. I was using it, and I had an emergency C-section, and they rushed me in, and the BlackBerry was in my hand. I forgot about it, and then it went into the surgery. And, and which model was that? I you know, one little the, one, the little one that you could just text on the Pearl, whatever. I don't know. So That's I had not. the Pearl. The Pearl was my first one. Oh, okay. I mean, I remember there, the, some time ago when. My friends started to get Blackberries, yeah. and I thought... Oh, it was the phone. I thought, they look so self-important with their Blackberries. I'm not getting a Blackberry. And then I immediately got a Blackberry, and I started out with the Pearl, and it didn't even have full QWERTY keyboard. Right. And then I, and then I graduated to one of the uh, the other ones. I guess it was a Bold or oh, a Curve I, I or something. Oh, I go further back than that. I go way back with the Blackberry. The problem is it wasn't internet happy. It wasn't No, you couldn't, you couldn't browse on the mobile That's web. Right. Remember yeah. that? Yes, I do remember that. Yes, I'm yeah. quite aged. Lauren, I know. But. So what are some of the questions from our readers on this issue? We actually, we got some good questions. Uh, okay, here, there's Let the me, first one. The first one. Ultra Cool. At Ultra Cool, that's mm-hmm. his name? All right. Yeah. Or her. Okay, if you think so. Just declaring yourself that. I mean, it's a cool question. Yes. Do you think it's overpriced? I think it's going to be a giant flop. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ultra Cool. Well, it looks like Ultra Cool answered what his do you really own think? question. Yeah. Is it overpriced? It's very expensive. Right. I think, you know, especially in this market when people think Android phones, I think there are consumers that go over something like a Samsung, mm-hmm. you know, Galaxy device, which commands that sort of price. Right. And then there, are, I think that there are other consumers that say, well, I'm going to get an Android because it's low cost. I'm right. going to go for something like an affordable Moto, or I'm going to go for a Nexus, right. or I'm going to go for a Droid, or I'm going to go for something else. So they else. might be not lovely I, enough. I, I think BlackBerry is, to, is taking a really interesting tactic, and um, they have to make a huge comeback. This is incredibly high stakes for them, and to come out and, and start with a $699 Phone? I John mean, Chan's got that's bold. John, no pun intended. Bold Blackberry. Get it? Yeah, no I get pun. it. I got it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I get sure. all your puns. I okay. choose to ignore them. Um, Christian at Christian Kinney. What do you expect Blackberry to get out of the smartphone? When do you expect Blackberry to get out of the smartphone market? We did talk to John Chan yes. about that. Yeah. So I would advise this person to go back and shameless plug, check out Recode's own coverage from the Code Mobile Conference in Half Moon Bay last month because we had BlackBerry CEO John Chen on stage talking about this exact topic with Ina Freed. And he said that if the company had not was not making money off of their handset, handset business by, I believe it was 2016, that they would consider exiting the handset business. Wow, and then just sell what? 
Uh, well, I mean, they, they do have a business selling, you know, software as a service yeah. as well. So basically mm-hmm. get into, you know, soft, uh, software security. They're, they're really emphasizing this privacy and Sounds security aspect. So, yeah, yeah Blackberries, I mean, they've, they've had some troubles over the past few years for Indeed. sure. Indeed, and Don Chen is a very good guy, but might be tough. At Maya Martinez, is the keyboard worth it? Is it as good as the BlackBerry Curves keyboard? Oh, the Curve. The curve. So People to be quite like honest, I don't even remember the Curve. I mean, yeah. I know I used one, but yeah. it's just been so long that yeah. I, don't, I can't com- – Maya, this is I can't a drop-down keyboard. actually that was the Curve the drop-down, too? No, I believe the Curve, curve was, was actually built into yeah, built in, the yeah. device itself. Yeah. So Dieter Bone from The Verge said that he actually really liked the keyboard. It uh, kind of made a satisfying click when you pulled it down and then slid it back up. And he makes a good point, which is that unlike some other keyboards like we're describing, um, unlike a virtual keyboard, mm-hmm. um, when you're using it, you still have the full screen in front of you. Mm-hmm. You have the full real estate of the phone display in front of you with the keyboard below it, as opposed to using a touchscreen virtual keyboard where it pops up and then it covers half of your screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool that you you know, you know have the tactile keys, but on top of that, you still have a full display in front of you. Right. It's a, I've seen it. It's very attractive. It does have a satisfying click. Well, that's not really a reason to buy a phone. Would you go back to one? No. No. Hmm. Never. Why not? I don't know. I can't tell you that. I have no idea. I don't know. We'll see how I like Android on my chip to China. Stuff like that. That's right. Know. Yeah. All right. Last one. Irfan Banji. Seems like a desperate move to Android. Which user device, which user is this device being marketed to? Oh, he's calling them desperate. Desperate. You guys are harsh. I know. So uh, we talked about Android. And yes, they definitely needed to get into an ecosystem where there were apps mm-hmm. for their customers. In terms of the which uh, users this device being marketed to, that is an excellent question, and that's something I think BlackBerry has been asked a lot over the past few weeks. Um, you know, I think ultimately they'll they'll say oh, it's for both. It's for enterprise and it's for consumers. We're going to sell it into corporations, but also consumers are going to go out and buy this thing. I have a hard time believing that. I really think that ultimately they're going to be looking to financial institutions, corporations, people like that to basically be to, their who biggest had to abandon clients. the BlackBerry for apps reasons, and then right. Well, I mean, do you remember? I'm sure you remember, like when we were part of Dow Jones. I knew lots of people, myself included, that were issued a corporate BlackBerry, but then started to carry around the iPhone for personal use. Right. Like when it, yeah. I was when we were shooting a lot of video, and the iPhone 4 got HD video, we thought this is really cool. We're going to get iPhones and shoot video right. with it, and then right. so we had both. And so I think. You know, in a, in a corporate environment for people who are carrying around multiple devices, like maybe the BlackBerry will actually serve a, a need there. It will actually become the one phone that people use if work has issued it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I think BlackBerry is really hoping that consumers run out and buy this thing because they love BlackBerry. Maybe mm-hmm. there's nostalgia for BlackBerry. Yeah. I have a hard time believing a lot of consumers would yeah, do it looks that. looks like a business that's device. Just, me. just a souped up business device kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So next time I see you, you'll have your BlackBerry. I will have my – no, I'm, I will not. I will not are. use a BlackBerry. No, I'm going to go into my drawer. I'm going to dig up the pearl, the uh, little pearl that I had. Do you know what? We should have yeah. a party where you and I bring all our old cell phones together. I have boxes of them. I have some really big cell phones. Oh, I bet you phones. have some good ones. I have, I have, have like, like a, a Gordon Gecko. And oh, a, I have a trio. And do you have like – I have a blinged trio. I have. I had really? little things applied to it in L.A. Yeah, I got some phones. I have a couple little candy bars. I, like I have some flip phones. I like the trio. Yeah. I have all the palms. I got everything. We I went like straight from flip phone to BlackBerry. Oh, did you? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so never got into the Sometime I'll tell you the story of Walt Mossberg and I standing in a very long line to look at the first flip phone from Motorola. Really? Yeah. 
I forget which one. I forget the name of it. What yeah. year was that? Oh, 100 years ago, Lauren. You were like, 100 years you were ago? You like eight. You know, oh you were in second grade. Goodness. But we stood at CES in a long line, we, and just you, you filed by this one flip phone that was in a was in a glass box and just admired it and kept walking it was so pathetic did you write a story about it of course we did we took pictures as we went by and then went by but not on our phones because you couldn't have pictures on phones so what did you say about it Um, we just said there's a flip phone here at ces something like that it was so ridiculous it was one of the many moments of ridiculousness with mossberg uh but that was one of them because i it was very it was very ridiculous to wait in a line for an hour to look at something to file past it like it was the crown jewels and yet we still do it and then we did it anyway (laughs) lauren good kara swisher talk to you next week thanks kara bye and thanks to you for listening this has been another episode of recode decode we always have a new episode every week And next week, we have the pleasure to have B.J. Novak and Deb Flaherty. You may know B.J. as a comedian and actor, most well-known for the American version of The Office. But he and Deb will be here to talk about their new social app, The List App. Tune in then. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes. Featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, Goldman Sachs' CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They're all on Recode Replay.